Welcome to the Home Buyer Club Podcast, helping you understand how to buy a home. From first looking at houses all the way through picking up the keys to your new home. The Home Buyer Club will be speaking with people in the industry to get expert advice to help you with your own home buying journey. I think you'll like this episode. Don't forget to like and subscribe, and on with the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Home Buyer Club podcast with me, your host, Joe Thompson. Today, we have Sam Cook from Blue Bricks Magazine. How are you, mate? I'm good. Thank you very much for having me, Joe. Um, feel like that's nice to have you. Yeah, it's a bit of a different podcast for me, so I'm looking forward to it. Uh, good, good stuff. Right, a bit of a tradition on the podcast. We like to do some quick fire questions sure. just to get us warmed up. So are you ready? Yeah, I'm, I'm ready to go for it. Good. Okay, right. What do you prefer, house or flat? House. Yeah, house. I'll Car or bike? Car. Uh, Coca-Cola or Pepsi? Coca-Cola. Beach or pool? Pool. Hate the sand. Long hike or spa day? <laughs> Same here. Yeah, spa day. Spa day any day. <laughs> Football or rugby? Rugby. Live in a city or the countryside? You know what? That changes regularly. Uh, right now I'm feeling the countryside, but there are days where I feel the city. Yeah, now I like that. I like where I live at the moment is quite like you've got the countryside that way, and then you've got the motorway and any city you want that way. So it's it's quite best of both worlds. Yeah, yeah. No, no I know what you mean. I mean, I, I spend. I think I used to like the city more because I live in a really quiet town before I had my own business. But now I spend a lot of my life in different cities across the UK. I'm all kind of city Dude. now. Like, yeah, I like the, the relaxation. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, and last one, big one. Are you a tea or a coffee drinker? Coffee, 100%. Coffee, yeah, fair enough. What? How do you have your coffee? I have it not not too dark. I like it a bit strong. You you might laugh at this. I've got, I don't think anyone knows this about me except for maybe one other person. I have like a, an immunity to caffeine. Um, and my, my friend thought he'd test this. So he got some of the strongest coffee in Europe and was like right let's just see how far we can push it and I felt nothing so yeah I, I have it really that's mad yeah it, it doesn't really do much to me oh my god that's that's mad that is like, I thought that at one point not that I thought I'd built up a tolerance to caffeine and then I had a coffee at six o'clock one night and, I, and at like two in the morning and I was still bouncing off the walls <laughs> I just need to sleep <laughs> I might have to give that one a go then. Yeah, oh, it's a, a small majority of people that have this like immunity. And don't get me wrong, I feel a bit more awake after a coffee, but I I've never been like buzzing yeah. from caffeine. Have you not? Fair enough. Fair. It's probably, it's probably uh, either you're not drinking enough or <laughs> you've drank yeah. too much that you're just intolerant to it. <laughs> Watch out. Always the way. That strong stuff again. <laughs> drink for a week and I won't be able to sleep well enough. So. We'll, we'll test it. We'll see what I'll no, That's it. <laughs> give, give it a go tonight. <laughs> I uh, I started out with coffee, milk and two sugars, and then it, it diluted to milk, milk and one sugar. Then it was no sugar. Then it was smaller amounts of milk. Until one day I ran out of milk. So I was like, oh, what am I going to do? So I just went and had black coffee. And I'm, I'm a, I love it now. I just drink black coffee. Hardcore, mate. Hardcore. I'm, I'm trying Tough to put stuff. Uh, it's in. hardcore. Yeah, I'm trying to cut down on trouble. Yeah. yeah. 
Good luck. <laughs> You'll get there. <laughs> You'll be on the hard stuff soon. Sounds like we're talking about drugs here, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, dear. Anyway, Sam, please, can you tell the listeners what, what you do? Yeah, so um, my primary role is I'm the editor of Blue Bricks magazine. Um, I also run a marketing agency that works specifically within the property sector. Um, but here today representing Blue Bricks. So Blue Bricks is a magazine for property investors and property developers. We've got 14,000 readers. We've also got networking events across the UK. So we've got an event in Leeds, Manchester and London, and we're looking to grow those out at the moment as well. Um, I'm, I'm glad we actually had this conversation. You've just reminded me there's something I need to do on an event, so I'll write that one down. But yeah, that, that's always just a part of Blue Bricks. And it, it's basically, the, the goal of the magazine is to help property investors and to help people coming into property to do it ethically, which is really important, to do it legally, and to basically raise money and um, become, there's a term in, within the industry called financially free, which means to earn enough rental income um, it's basically leave your job and, and, and live a life for your dream, so to speak. I love that. Yeah, I love that. And I think what you said there, that they're uh, ethically and legally so important because there's so many cowboys out there still, isn't there? Yeah, hugely. And it's just, the, the world's property investment, there's so many rules and regulations that people don't know about that if you go into it blind and you make a mistake either refurbishing a house or if you make a mistake trying to raise finance to buy a house you can get yourself locked up for a very very long time um prime example one of the things that's come up lately is if you if you're refurbing a house as property investor or even a homeowner um and you have builders on that site you are responsible for that site so if there is an accident if something goes wrong it's your responsibility you're the site owner and this is something that a lot of people don't know. So you've got to be super careful when you're working with builders and that kind of thing, because if a wall falls down and collapses in on them and it's people have been looking at you as responsible. Wow. Yeah. So you're going to need special insurance for that, I guess, aren't you? I didn't know that. That's mad. It's not yeah. something your buildings and contents covers, is it? <laughs> no, yeah. I mean, it's insurance yeah. and it's just making sure that the, the kind of eyes are dotted. I's dotted the T's across, contracts are in place, you've got a site manager that your builders know what they're doing, um, which is a big one within the world of property investing. I'm sure homeowners have it too. They get builders in to refurbish a house, especially if we've got people on the podcast that want to do a rupper and suddenly work's not being done, they're being overcharged, they've been yeah, there's all kinds of horror stories in the industry. Yeah, that's that's crazy. So how did you get into uh, publishing a magazine? Yeah, it was. Um, so originally I was an estate agent. That, that was how I first ever entered the world of property. <laughs> and in 2021, I, I, I wasn't an estate agent at that time. I was sourcing properties for investors. So I left estate agency. And what I began doing was I'd, let's say we had an investor in London who wanted to buy a house in the north because it's miles cheaper. Um, I would go view the property, do the numbers, get the pictures and source it for them. Uh, I decided to do that in COVID because I thought the curve would be flattened in about three weeks. We all know how that turned <laughs> out. Um, <laughs> and, and obviously probably that business was very, very difficult. So I actually ended up being hired by Blue Bricks Magazine as their marketing manager um, in 2021. Yeah. And working with them, they were a brand new business and just helping them to grow and strategize. Um, and then in 2022, um, I bought the business um, so I bought the business that I used to work for Blue Bricks. I'm now the owner and the, the editor. Amazing. That's, uh, uh, do you know what? You know, when you came on, you said about how many listen uh, listeners, sorry, how many readers you have. 
I was blown away. That's uh, that's a hell of a lot of people. Yeah, it, it's a lot of people, um, and that's because of we we have collaborations with a lot of partners of ours who give our magazines to, to their followers and their readers. Um, we've just partnered with, for example, LMPG. Uh, LMPG are the largest landlord purchasing group in the UK, and then, and we've got a collab with them where where their read where their members get preferential rates, so to speak. Um, and that's going to boost our readership massively too. So it's just been strategic partnerships, working with the right people and having the magazines in the right places. We're in, we're in a lot of high-end hotels within Yorkshire and business centres, accounts and firms, solicitors firms. And every other week, every week now, I get someone sending me a WhatsApp saying, just in your magazine here, just in your magazine here, just picked up your magazine here. So it's been a slow burn, but we're finally getting that. Okay, no, that's great. Anna, is there, is there high-end places in Yorkshire? I'm just joking. Mate. I think it's a couple. <laughs> <laughs> There's a couple. A couple of all right places in Yorkshire. I'll let you off. <laughs> we've, we've, got, we've got Premier in. Exactly. It's, <laughs> it's clues in the title, isn't it? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, dear. Oh, that's amazing. Uh, so your background in property then, you, you touched on it there, sourcing and um, an estate agent. Oh, that's um, that's uh, quite a niche area, sourcing. How did uh, how did that come about? Yeah, it, it came about because I was always more interested in property investment and property development when I was from a young age, when I was about nineteen, um, and I was really interested in that. And to me, there's not there's not many avenues into property that are, are kind of made apparent, really. So the only thing I could think of was like no. oh, an estate agent. So I went into a state agency to learn more about the investing side and I'd go around various teams just asking as many questions as possible. Uh, I used to go on viewings with the estate agency with investors and I'd just chat to them about what you're planning to do with it, what makes it a good deal. And, you know, a lot of them were just really, really happy to help me because obviously our young lads are quite interested in it, uh, which was nice and that helped me. Um, when COVID struck and I was no longer an estate agent, um, that's when I moved into sourcing because it seemed like a, a, a rational next step. I, I I did a lot of research, read a lot of books, and it's very much sold as this easy strategy, um, easy money, and a lot of naivety there. I believed it, um, but yeah, it was. It's difficult. It's really hard to do. Real hard. Yeah, I can imagine, and I, yeah. I and I guess even more so in a pandemic. Yes, yeah, that 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 was not fun. Especially when every other week we're like, "Is the housing market open? Can you still view a house? Can you not view a house?" Okay, you could view a house last week, but this week you've got to wear a mask and stand at the other end of the room. And yeah, it was it was an absolute nightmare. Yeah, that's a ball ache, wasn't it? I remember like the highlight of your day was like the five o'clock briefing where <laughs> down the street. All right, brilliant. Let's find out what the PM's got to do today. Oh, all right, he's having a party. Brilliant. Where's my invite? <laughs> Yeah, it's very, very clever. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we, we, we sourcing. I, you know, I met some great people, and it taught me so much about property, and it's really helped me with the magazine. See the size. So I'm grateful for the experience, and everyone starts somewhere. But yeah, the, the the area that I used to be an estate agent in, and the area I was sourcing in, has got. I've never known an area like it. You can go on one street, you're on the nicest street in a town, you walk two, three streets over, you're in the roughest, and it's so bizarre. And as someone who was an estate agent, I've, you know, I've lived here all my life, but I didn't know the area. I was still getting used to, oh, I viewed this house here and it was really nice. There's only this house, two streets over. I'm sure that's lovely too when you go. And 
you know, there's like dogs barking, but you can never see the dogs, but there's always a dog. <laughs> and it was like that kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've seen, yeah. Some, I've seen some rough areas and had some experiences. <laughs> it reminds me of uh, my friend. He, he did something similar. He was buying a house with his uh, with his new partner. When I say new partner, it's been together a couple of years. But uh, so he was selling his house and similar sort of thing. He went, oh, yeah, it's only he's lived in this area his whole life. It's only a couple of streets over. It's not that bad. But he's never actually been there. Um, he pulled up on um, outside this house and someone reversed into his car. So he's just about to knock on the door and he goes, bang. Turns around, someone's reversed into his car. So he's oh, brilliant, great start. So he goes down to take the details. And he said it was like the whole area, like the whole street had come out. And we're like, oh, it's just, don't, don't worry about it, mate. It's just a bump. You don't need insurance details. No, don't worry about it. It's the first time. And like, so everyone, he said there was about 20 people just gathered around this car. And he was like, I just don't want to be here anymore. I didn't realize yeah, it was so rough. <laughs> Look, luckily, the car was all right. Uh, so he just, Looked at the house and not for us. See ya. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I've, I've seen a few, few places like that, mate. So, as an estate agent, you must have some horror stories, like for the, from your little time where you were one. Oh, mate, yeah, because this is the new estate agent. You're the one that they send to the rough patches. That you're the one that like, oh yeah, go, go down yeah. to this one, down one, and, and there were plenty of them. So yeah, we've had ones where. Trying to think because there's been there's been so many. Um, I've been around really creepy houses, really yeah. weird, really one down houses. But the the best one was that there's a block. I, I just spoke about this enough podcast, but there's a block of apartments in Bradford. I won't tell the exact town because people know exactly what I mean. And a developer bought these block of apartments because he was like, and they're, they're in a really rough area. And he was like, what I'm going to do is I'm going to renovate this block apartment, and it's going to be perfect for professionals looking to commute to Leeds and you know, we're going to make so much money. And every single estate agent basically turns to him and said, don't do that. Like, just don't buy that. This block of apartments has got a reputation. You are never going to attract professionals. It's a bad idea. The developer went for it anyway. And he bought these apartments and renovated them. But there were, yeah, they, it was like, have you ever seen the film Judge Dredd? Um, yes. Yes. Yeah, Judge Dredd. Just, if anyone's seen Judge Dredd, just picture that. If not, Google it. Very much like kind of rough interiors, an elevator that's not been serviced in about 10 years, paint all over the walls. Um, but the apartments were lovely. But w what happened was I was only young and small, and I, I pulled up in my little suit, and everyone in, in the neighbourhood was looking at me, and I was like, oh, brilliant. And I, I met the guy who was viewing the property with an idea of buying it, and he was about six foot seven, um, built, you know, like the house wall, scar across his neck, all the way across. Um, and his, his girlfriend looked so Oh, wow. Like, yeah, and he, he had his girlfriend with him. And he was like, let's go view these apartments. So straight away, I was like, oh, we're in for a treat here, aren't we? Um, so I went in, and there's a block manager. And the block manager manages the, the block. Um, and she was supposed to show us one of the renovated apartments that had just been freshly done up, but she she missed the memo. Um, and she was like, we're going to get in a lift. Yeah, and she was like, we're going to get in a lift. We're going to go like floor six. And I said, I'm not getting in that lift. You were, you're never going to get me in that lift. It's like hanging on by a thread. I'll oh, no. So I, I took the stairs. I'm walking up six floors. Like, there's floor one, floor two, floor three. The sign's been stolen. I thought there was some irony in that. Someone must have thought it were free. Uh, got to floor six. <laughs> <laughs> and honestly, there's no word of alignment. This sound's made up. It's 100% true. 
got to, and it just gets worse. Scott four six takes us into this house, into this apartment, opens the door, and um, I went to turn the light on, and she said, "You can't do that." I said, "Why can't I do that?" She said, "Because they've stolen all the light fittings." And I was like, <laughs> Stop. "Yeah," I was like, "Right, fantastic." Um, and there were cigarette butts all over the floor, and there was horrible jeweled wallpaper all down the side of the walls, and. Um, there were these, I, I remember it, there was just a jar of pickled eggs on the side. I don't know why there was pickled eggs, but there were just pickled eggs. The, the floor were, were covered in rubbish. But, and I'm, I've got to try and sell this apartment still, because it's my job. <clears throat> so I'm like there trying not to laugh, because I'm like, this is ridiculous. Um, and he was like, oh, I thought it came with white goods, like a kitchen cooker. She's like, no, they've stolen that too. So at, at this point, I had to just walk off to the side and just give myself a second. And he was like, yeah, but I saw a pair of crutches by the door. And she's like, yeah, he was disabled. And he was like, well, if he's disabled, how did he steal an entire cooker on floor six? So they were having this, like, mini argument. <laughs> and, and I was like, look, can you just take us to one that's not been ransacked by someone, please? Like, I don't know what you're playing at. Um, so she went to take us down the floor to this nicely refurbished one. And as we got to that floor, there was a guy with a sheet on his head pretending to be a ghost just running up and down the corridor like shouting and well <laughs> mate it, it was mental well they didn't buy the apartment in it yeah, it, honestly, it was crazy yeah so but that was like the caliber of stuff that i had to deal with and then you just have to go in office and oh my god standard. yeah it was honestly it was crazy <laughs> did he ever sell it um i think they sold some of them like the actual apartments themselves were really nice and they had gorgeous views but it was just like right getting through the communal area i think that's the thing i think if you survive oh. the communal area and actually got to your apartment you'd be quite happy <laughs> yeah you, know? you, just, you just need to uh have some some blinkers on so you can't see all the shit that's around you <laughs> <laughs> and don't um, use the elevator yeah and, and then after that mate i would just send people like look i'm never i'm, I'm never doing those apartments ever again so if you if you need to send someone send someone else no yeah that's uh that's a shit jobs for the new boy isn't it sort yeah of thing, that, that. That, that's what that one i came back and you know before i went everyone's like oh it's lovely you'll come and i came back and everyone was just laughing like oh how are it i was like you knew full well what you were getting me into uh, so yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that 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 was my my experience minute yeah so so <laughs> that's enough to put anyone off being an estate agent isn't it let's face yeah. it girl yeah. God. <laughs> so as um blue um blue bricks magazine you deal with a lot of information for investors mm -hmm. um yeah. so do you have any any advice for any budding investors um coming into the sort of into the industry at this moment in time yeah, definitely. A few pieces of advice. So if you're a new investor, first and foremost, if, if you come into property, there's a big hype at the moment around property training. Now, property training is people that train people how to invest in property, but there's two issues with that. Number one is it's an unregulated industry. So t if I was to train you how to invest in property and you give me 10 grand, I don't have to have any qualifications. I don't need to have any governing body making sure that I'm giving you the correct advice. It's not regulated. Um, which causes problem number two, which is there's, there's a lot of people training education who are not credible, who haven't done what they've said they're going to do, or who are teaching outdated advice or are teaching 
the wrong advice. Not everyone, it's not every property trainer. There's some fantastic ones out there, but there's a handful. So what I would say is if, if you feel like you need training, get trained on a specific strategy, whether that's buy to let, just buying a house and letting it out, and make sure that the person that you go with is someone who's credible, got experience, got good reviews, speak to past mentees, make sure they're doing the right thing. Also, just surround yourself with the right people. Get a good mortgage broker. Speak to a great mortgage broker. Speak to a good accountant. Speak to just professionals that work in that sector and get their advice. Um, you know, just a lot. There's, you'll, there's a lot of people out there who invest in property that you wouldn't even know who might own a bag to let or two. If you know someone, just offer to take them out for a cup of coffee. If not, go on LinkedIn, go on Facebook groups, ask the question, and just take them for a cup of coffee and learn from them. Property investing is easy when you know it. It seems complicated, but it's easy. And just having the right people around you, you'll go far. But if you just go in like like a bull in a china shop and you don't know what you're doing, or if you get advice from the wrong people, then you will end up losing substantial amounts of money. So that would be my advice. Yeah. 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 I, yeah. That's that's solid advice. I, I like that. I think um, a lot of people I speak to do. There's just two, you know, normally a few sort of different people, but you've got the people who are like, just want something, you know, one or two that ticks over and it's their, their pension for the future. Yeah. Happy just to, then you've get the people that come in bull in the China shop, right? Yeah. I'm a property investor now, no experience. And can, can those sort of people can waste thousands of pounds because yes, it is easy if you know how, but it can be very expensive if you get it wrong, can't it? And oh, a lot of people absolutely. do that, unfortunately. Absolutely. And you, you might have to view a hundred homes to find that one deal that works for you. Although on paper, it's easy. Shouldn't be rushed. I think people sometimes get a bit too excited and they don't, they don't use facts or figures. They're like, I know this area, it's a nice area. It's obviously going to increase in value rather than looking at the, There's tools like property data, property data. You can get a, a two week free trial. And that will tell you how, how house prices in a specific postcode have increased in the past five years. So using data like that, you know, you can save, there's, you know, there's all, always risk to invest in and I, I'm not qualified to give financial advice. This isn't financial advice, but by knowing your figures, you mitigate the risk compared to saying, oh yeah, this is a lovely area. I'm just going to buy a buy to let them and I know it'll go up in value. So I think just be careful. <clears throat> Yeah, I love that. That's great. That's really good. Uh, so you've been an estate agent. We're on the Home Buyer Club podcast. So we yep. need to get some advice for home buyers. Now, before we came on, you had some uh, something that you wanted to share for this. So I'm really interested to hear. Yeah, so the, this, if anyone listens to this, um, I think this is going to be so useful. For I hope you do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. It, it's, I don't know, but like maybe it's just just in case my mum's listening or like one of my friends. But no, like gen generally for anyone looking to buy a home, um, <laughs> sorry, that's killed. That's creased with that. I suppose. <laughs> sorry, yeah, it's, I don't even know why I do apologise. But um, <laughs> I, I know this a lot of people was the the, the the point I was going to get across, which is how to buy your home like an investor buys a buy to let. And the um, reason I say that is a massive part of being a property investor is buying homes at a discount. And a lot of my friends who have bought houses, the mistakes that I've seen them make is to just buy with 100% promotion. Maybe the dad's give them a, 
a deposit or they've saved up and like, yeah, I really like this house. I don't care if it's £10,000 more than every house next to it. I'm, I'm going to go for it. And that's great if you love the house and you're not bothered about money. But the problem is you're at a much higher risk of negative equity if the market changes. So you're actually putting yourself in a substantial amount of danger if you do that. So this isn't just about saving money. It's about saving you your finances. Um, so first of all, don't buy one motion. Places like Rightmove have, you can go to past sold prices, type in a postcode, and it'll tell you houses that have sold in the past five to 10 years and what they're worth and what they sold for. Look at houses within a quarter mile radius of where you're buying that have sold in the past two years. That will give you an idea of what that property is worth. If the house is on the market for more than that, bearing in mind that houses typically sell for 10% less than asking price. You need to go to the estate agent, show them the comparables and say, I'm not paying that for this house because there is no evidence to say it is worth more. Now, don't get me wrong, there might be situations where the house is a bit nicer, it's got a hot tub, a jacuzzi, it's bigger than comparables, in which case, can you, you know, use common sense a little bit on that one because you know it's going to be worth a bit more. But if it's literally side by side comparable, it's not worth that. So just whatever you do, don't pay it. Take your time. Don't let emotion get in the way. But buying a house like an investor, I'll use an example of a friend of mine. Um, the the estate agent always wants the highest possible sales price for the property. It makes them look good, and sometimes they'll get a bit more money for it. So what you want to do is you want to speak to the owner of the property, um, because what you want to do is you want to solve their problem. So a friend of mine who was a property investor, there's a common trick, and it's not spoken about publicly, so I might be breaking an industry secret. It's like a magician giving away his tricks. But uh, the estate agent will say, I can only view the house on a Sunday. I, I work, you know, Monday to Saturday. I've got kids, whatever it might be. The only time I can view this property is a Sunday. And the reason they do that is estate agents are closed on Sunday. And what the, the what the agent will do to mitigate that is they'll say to the vendor, look, we've got this person. They can only view the house on a Sunday. Nine times out of 10, the vendor will say, don't worry about it. Send them around on Sunday. We'll show them around. Now, the thing is, now you stood in front of the person selling their home, you're in front of the decision maker, you've cut out the middleman. Sorry, estate agents, but you're not negotiating with a third party that's going to go, I know he's offered this amount, but I think we can push him a bit higher. Now you're in front of the vendor. And the thing is, just chat to them. And this is what property investors do. They find out what that person needs. If prime example is a person's there going, look, uh, I'm selling my house because my kid's getting a bit older. And we're just outside of the catchment area of this really nice school I want him to get to. Problem is, it's now July and we need we need to move by September for him to get there. Now, what you know is that that homeowner is desperate for a sale. You know that they want to sell quick. So what you can then do is say, look, all right, I can't pay you asking price. I can pay you 10 grand less than asking price, but I can promise that I've got my mortgaging principle. I'm not in a chain and I'm gonna complete within the next 30 days. I can promise that's gonna happen. That vendor, the, the vendor of the property who's in that desperate situation might be willing to take a discount for that promise because you've solved their pain. Um, another thing that, that people have done is they build rapport with a vendor. So like my, my friend who did this, it was an elderly couple he bought off. He built a really nice relationship. He said he was buying it with his wife, with, with his girlfriend, which he was. They were planning to raise a family, really kind of, touched their hearts it was a family home they, were, they loved it to pieces and it kind of got to them they were like oh you know he's going to look after it that's a big thing people are passionate about the homes he's going to look after it he then wrote a handwritten letter to say how beautiful the property was how much he liked it how he could see a future there and he posted it through the letterbox now 
that vendor liked him so much that she said, look, take it off the market, we want to give it to him. Because even though other people might offer 10, 15,000 pounds more, they had that emotional connection with, with my friends. Now, doesn't work 100% of the time. It's a trial and everything. You might have to view 100 properties to do it. But if you follow the process, you will get your property at a substantial discount if that's something that you're looking to do. That's brilliant. I like that. And I, I've seen that myself on the whole emotional side of things. Not yeah. every not every um, vendor wants to sell to the highest bidder. Some do. Some, some really do. But people who lived in properties for a long time, they've got, like you said, that emotional attachment to it. They know the neighbours, they like the neighbours, and they, they don't want just any old person living in the house. They prefer yeah. someone who's going to be there for a while, potentially, or, or a nice person that, you know, wants to grow in that house. Um, so, yeah, that's that's brilliant advice there, mate. And, I mean, for, for, for the less investment side of things, like from, from the estate agency perspective, the two people that are the most loved from an estate agent point of view is a first-time buyer with no home and a cash buyer. They're the two people that can move the, quick, the, the quickest and they're not a pain to deal with. Um, if you're a first-time buyer, get you, and you might love this one, Joe, get your mortgaging principle first. Speak to a mortgage broker before you view properties because then you can just move fast. You've got the mortgaging principle, give that to the estate agent, I'm ready to go. What we hated was first-time buyers that view the property, yeah, I want to take it, now I've got to speak to my mortgage broker, or sorry, my mortgage broker said I can't afford this much, can we have it for £10,000 less? And estate agents hate that. Get your mortgaging principle first. Speak to a mortgage broker, then go for it. <clears throat> know your budget. Yes, I love that. I love that. Yeah, brilliant advice. So, so speak to me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Subliminal messages there. Speak to me. I'm joking. No, but it's true. You know, know know the process. Know what you can borrow. And uh, and I think I say it with my clients. You know, if I'm if I've got a, a couple first time buyers who are buying, we have a WhatsApp group, uh, and they'll send me send me um, pictures of the house or the link. What do you think to this? Can we afford this? Can we do it? And it's, it's good. I like that communication because then you know they know what they can achieve um, and what they can what they can look at. And it's so important, isn't it? That sort of stuff. Yeah, definitely. And honestly, it puts you in, in a much better negotiating position. You can say to someone, yeah, okay, I'm making my offer below asking price, which everyone does, but I'm not in a chain. I can move tomorrow. I'm good to go. And sometimes a vendor will happily take that. A lot of the time, actually, they'd rather take that over the person that will ask, who will pay asking price, but is caught in a chain. And when are we, when are we going to be able to move? I don't know. Whenever I sell my house and whenever the person buying my house sells their house and They'd rather just a few grand less and have it done. A lot of them, not all of them, but that's a lot. it. That, yeah, yeah, most of them. Yeah, completely agree. So, uh, what, what's your situation with buying a house? Are you looking or future plans? Oh, here we go, Joe. You, you're going to start tearing up here, mate. You've asked me a really bad question because the the plan was to to move out with my partner. Um, I'm not with my partner anymore. So we're, um, we, we were saving up together. Uh, yeah, oh, no. <laughs> edit that one out. Um, sob sorry. So, so my, yeah, we'll get this one out. Yeah. <laughs> my plans is it, it's a really, really good question. And I'm stuck between buying a, an apartment off a family member um, or potentially buying an investment property. Um, the problem I've got at the moment is choosing where to live. I'm, I'm all over the UK with work. I 
I've never particularly enjoyed the place that I live. I've, I've never seen a future here. So it's not just the buying a house for me. It's the more, where do I want to set up base? Because, because of the business, I'm trying to plan five to 10 years ahead of my professional career. So there's just a little bit at play there. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, no, that, that makes sense. Maybe an investment property is probably the way forward for the first one. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that, that that's what I'm trying to figure out. But, but thanks for that, Joe. Happy memories. Good. That's all right now. I'm so sorry to hear about you and your partner. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm laughing. That sounds really mean, doesn't it? Well, it's just getting you back for saying if people listen to this podcast. That's <laughs> okay. There is something I do want to just touch on. I I, uh, I was looking at your LinkedIn uh, today and it says here between November 18 and January 2020, you're a stand-up comedian. Oh, there we go. Yeah, Um Another one, you're getting it all out of me. I've never spoken about this on a podcast ever, but yes, I, I was a stand-up comedian. Um, I, I was a stand-up oh, comedian. Oh, amazing. Do you still do it? Uh, not professionally, no. Um, <laughs> um, well, I mean, how, how good a comedian is I'm now on a podcast talking about property, so I think that tells you everything you need to know. Um, yeah, I, 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 I was a comedian for, for a year. I, um, I, I did it. I started, I did an event for Cancer Research UK, raised money for them. And um, that that was the biggest gig I did in front of about 300 people. And then I opened my own event in, in Keighley in Bradford and I ran a, a comedy event there, but I just did it all for charity. So we had a different charity that was supported every month. We got comedians on, on the night. And I'll, I'll be honest, that taught me a lot about running the, the networking events that we run now. It taught me a lot about communicating with people. It taught me a lot about public speaking. Um, I, got, I got a lot from it and part of me does miss it massively um but yeah it, it's helped me so much in some really bizarre ways oh i bet oh no i can imagine that because all of a sudden you you 300 people is a lot of eyes a lot of eyes staring at you waiting listening to everything that you're saying so having that exposure um to to do that is and that is, is fantastic and You've also got like a, a networking event. People listen. Okay, if they agree with you, they agree. If not, they're not. But at a comedy event, people are drinking and heckling if they think you're yeah. shit. <laughs> that, that, that's it. I did a public speaking course a couple of weeks back, and a lot of the people in the group, like, obviously, so I don't want to sound arrogant here. It's people that have maybe not done public speaking before. I look fantastic. I'm not the best. I've got a lot to learn, but I'm just better than average because I've got more experience than the average person. Um, and a lot yeah. of people are like you're fantastic you're amazing you, you're really not bothered about this like you've got so much confidence and I said the thing is if, if I stand up at a networking group I do a lot of public speaking for talks and I talk to you about digital marketing or blue bricks the worst you're going to do is switch off and go on your phone if I went to an event and did comedy and, uh, and I was crap I would get told I was crap while I was on stage in front of 50 people by someone that's been doing nothing but drinking all night and then have to argue with that person yeah so on stage so actually it, it's all easy from there you start from the bottom and everything's easy now yeah that's it isn't it that is it that must be the soul soul destroying at times so fair play to you for for persevering at that and like you say it's it's weird isn't it how little things like like being a comedian like being an estate agent being an editor and all of a sudden look where you are now it's all led to this one this area that you're in at the moment and being the owner of of uh, blue bricks magazine is it's fantastic yeah. mate so well it's done. Been i mean i won't lie to you stand-up comedy was some of the best and worst times of my life because when it goes well 
when you've got 300 people cheering and screaming and clapping and, and going wild, best feeling you'll ever feel. When you've got 10, pe 10, 10 people that have been drinking all night in some rough area of the UK heckling you, some, some of the worst feelings of your life. But yeah, it, it's it's strange to look back on it, it's all come together. Um, and I couldn't, doing what I am now, there's so much that, that plays into it that, that help, that's helped me to grow Blue Bricks and grow the business and create the magazine and do what I do. So yeah, kind of blessed really. Oh, good stuff. Mate, that's brilliant. Where can people find you if they want to reach out, have a chat or attend one of your events? Yeah, so LinkedIn, Sam Cook, Cook with an E, um, not the soul singer. Don't get me confused with that one. If you want to see some more of my personal stuff, <laughs> I'm, I, I'm a bit more, um, kind of a lot more personal profile on LinkedIn. Um, for Blue Bricks, it's Blue Bricks Magazine. Um, look us up. You can view all our events on our website there. Um, look at our social media as well, Instagram, Facebook, Blue Bricks Magazine. You will see what events we've got coming up. By all means, feel free to come down. If, you, if you're a listener of this podcast, I, I know you've got listeners. I'm not going to make I'm not going to make that mistake again, Joe. Um, you know, just, just let me know. So the podcast, you can have a free ticket as well. Happy to, to give back to you guys. Oh, I love it, mate. That's brilliant. Thank you very much for that. I've really enjoyed speaking to you today. No, thank you for your time, Joe. It's, it's been really good fun. Um, so thank you for your time. For anyone listening, if you are there, um, don't forget to like and subscribe, reach out to Sam, and uh, we'll see you on the next one. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Home Buyer Club podcast. If you liked the episode, please leave a comment below. For more episodes like this, don't forget to like and subscribe, and I'll see you in the next one.